It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In Italy, in the 1500s, there was a guy named uh, Gerolamo Cardano. Sorry for butchering that pronunciation, but he was a, a, a bunch of things. A philosopher, a physician, a mathematician, an author, uh, and he had a whole bunch of hustles. And as guys like this kind of were back in that time, in that part of the world, he was short on cash a lot. He didn't make a lot of money. And so to supplement his income and to make ends meet, the guy was a gambler. And as a seasoned gambler, he kind of figured some things out about the dice games that he would play. Most of the time when you make a a dice roll, you're trying to guess what the die is going to land on, and that's the fun, right? You never know what it's going to be. What's it going to be this time? We'll guess we'll put money on it. But he started thinking about it in a different way. He started thinking about it as a range of outcomes that were all possible. And he said, okay, how many of these outcomes are favorable to me versus unfavorable to me? And if there's more good outcomes than bad outcomes, it's a good bet, and I'm going to make that bet. And eventually he put all of these thoughts into a book and uh, stapled them with some other ways of cheating at dice. And eventually that book became one of the founding principles of modern-day probability theory. Just some dude rolling dice in an alleyway that changed the course of a lot of current culture. What's up, everybody? Believe it or not, this is Locked on Vikings. I am your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. The show is on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. This show is available anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, or you can simply ask your smart device to play podcast Locked on Vikings. And so today would usually be Crossover Wednesday. The Vikings were playing a game this weekend, but they're on their bye, so we get to do a little bit more abstract stuff. And you might be wondering, why am I talking about some random game? gambling idiot from Italy. Well, it's because there's something that has been happening all year that I have so often wanted to talk about and so often had to cut from recap podcasts, and that's fourth down decision-making and two-point conversion decision-making. It's come up a lot in uh, a lot of these games, and I've only really been able to mention it kind of in passing. Oh, you know, Zimmer declined three fourth and ones in the Chiefs game, or he went for that QB sneak in in the Washington game. He was extremely aggressive in the Denver game, and and this kind of pattern is really interesting, and I kind of wanted to do an episode about not only those plays, and we'll kind of go over them, but risk and the risk like management theory in general. And honestly, risk gets kind of a bad rap. And I I think that the difference in thought process between Cardiano and all the people that he would beat in dice games kind of represents this. Because I think a lot of people hear risk and they think of it inherently with like a negative connotation. If something was risky, if a decision that a coach made was risky, that's kind of a synonym for like, it was foolhardy, it was reckless, you didn't need to take that gamble. Or even if it worked out, you know, oh, it was a gamble, but it paid off, and how lucky you are that, you know, you didn't get the 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 punishment that you would get for taking such a, such a reckless gamble. And to me, that's like looking at every dice roll and saying, I'm going to try to guess, you know, which number is going to come up on the die. It's focused so much on the singular event, on the one iteration of the decision or of the experiment, whereas the way to truly manipulate these these risk management situations and do it the way that Cardiano did it is to look at it as a series of similar events, a series of dice rolls. 
I actually think stock markets are also a really good way of like representing this, right? You don't go into the stock market and put your entire fortune into one stock. You go to a broker or to a, an investor or some financial guy and you spread your money out around a whole bunch of probably close to 50-50 stocks, probably a little bit above it. And the hope is that over the long term, you gain money, even though it's much less than if you just bet it all on black to use another gambler's uh, metaphor. The other thing about risk, the way that it's typically discussed, especially in football terms, is that it's usually stapled to a reward. You think of a risky decision, going for it on a fourth down, going for a two-point conversion, throwing deep. Those are all things that come with inherent risk, but they also have a reward on the other end if the risk doesn't rear its ugly head. You convert the fourth down, you get an extra point after the touchdown, you get a big long bomb. And parsing these decisions out is what we always talk about when we say, you know, should Bill Belichick have gone for that fourth and two? And so in the spirit of, you know, that whole range of outcomes, or, you know, the idea of like, hey, if you did this a hundred times, would it work out for you more? more often than not, and then kind of doing the math in that spirit. Let's talk about some of these fourth down decisions from this year. But now that we're in the bye week and we can look at it kind of removed from the emotion of the situation, we can hopefully make a better judgment about like if they were good or bad. So here's how I tend to look at these kind of risk reward situations. And this applies to fourth downs, this applies to two point conversions, this applies to certain play calls, and all sorts of risk reward stuff. I find there's the like three matrices, I guess, for lack of a better word, uh, on which I would judge these decisions. What do you stand to gain? What do you stand to lose? And what are the odds that you actually get the good part? Think about like a draft decision where, you know, maybe it's the seventh round. You don't have that good of a chance of actually having somebody work out. But if they do, it's amazing, which is why I always advocate for, you know, drafting uh, more athletic raw players in the later rounds. Guys like Oli Udo. If you're going to be stuck in a low probability position, you might as well maximize what the reward is. And then, of course, you have to take account of what the risk is, you know, what is going to happen to you if it goes wrong. And it seems like this is the part that people have the easiest time parsing. And then in as kind of a result of that, they have the easiest time overvaluing. For example, take the infamous Bill Belichick fourth and two in, I want to say it was like 2009. Belichick is playing the Colts. He goes for a fourth and two at the end of the game in a clock-chewing situation. I believe he had a small lead. Uh, He doesn't get it. He gives the Colts the ball back in easy scoring position. The Colts end up winning, if you remember that whole debacle. And there was a whole bunch of ink spilled about it. And it's still seen as kind of ground zero for a lot of these like more aggressive fourth down decisions because it was one of the first times in NFL history where a coach had made an inherently risky decision and it didn't work out. And a lot of people were still making, uh, were, were standing up for it and kind of making the argument without hindsight bias. But still, most people, and a lot of people even still today, after a lot more, you know, research and, and, and theory crafting has been done about this, say that you risked too much. There are a couple of Mike Zimmer ones that we'll talk about later that uh, kind of fall in this same category where, you know, yeah, you're on your own 35. If you don't get it, they get the ball in field goal range. You can't give that up. You can't risk that. That's too much to potentially lose. Put it another way, say I give you a 75% gamble, say, you know, I'm going to roll a four-sided dice and, uh, you know, you only lose if it's a one, everything else you win, but you need to bet a million dollars on it, and if you don't have a million dollars, I'm going to cut your arm off or something, right? Like, you put huge, huge, huge stakes on it. You have a pretty good chance to win, and say if you win, you get like a thousand dollars. You have a pretty good chance to win, 
but it's still probably not worth risking that. Even just just on the on the off chance that you lose, it's not risking that. I see some fourth down decisions, you know, the same way. If you have a fourth and one, but you're on your own fifteen maybe you should think twice. And analytics would actually say, no, still go for it. You convert it 80% of the time, you'll be fine. But I definitely like understand uh, the argument of like, eh, maybe we'll pass on this one and, and we'll just punt it and live to fight another day. More on this in a little bit, but first let's talk a little bit about our sponsor for today's episode, Blue Chew. Blue Chew is the very first chewable tablet of its kind. It has the same ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, you know what we're talking about here, but it is made right here in the United States and it ships directly to your door, which means you don't have to go to the pharmacy, you don't have to wait in line, you don't have to deal with any of that awkwardness. It ships in a nice discreet package and that whole process makes it a little bit cheaper, too. Blue Chew is, of course, a chewable, and that means that it kicks in twice as fast, so in the moment's right, you don't have to spend as much time waiting around. And hey, this isn't just for, like, men of a certain age who are trying to make up with a decline in performance. This is for anybody who is looking to make themselves a little bit better for the sake of their partner. And hey, who can say no to that? So head on over to Blue Chew. Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Lockdown Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. That's lockdownpodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and a respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com and enter promo code locked on so you can try it for free. That's promo code locked on. All right, so let's apply that matrix to the example that we talked about before. Let's talk about that infamous fourth and two from a decade ago. So the situation is you have a fourth and two, you have a small lead against a team with a legendary quarterback, right, that has a pretty good chance of going down and scoring if you give them the ball back. So you either punt it and give him the ball back, but give him back to him deep, or you go for it, and if you get it, you win the game outright, he never touches the ball. If you don't get it, he gets the ball in easy scoring range and can beat you that much easier. So there's your what you stand to gain and what you stand to lose. You stand to gain winning the game outright there on the spot. You stand to lose a slightly worse chance and a little bit of field position. And what you're going to find often, and this is kind of the case that the the analytical arguments makes, is that the field position change is usually worth a lot less than the possibility of a fresh set of downs, whether that's in a two-minute drill and you get a chance to score where you otherwise wouldn't have if you were punting, or a situation like that one, where a, a fresh set of downs means you're taking kneel downs and the game is ostensibly over. But the thought process doesn't end there, right? Because you don't have an even 50-50 chance of converting. 
if you have an, a 50-50 chance of converting, then it's a pretty easy calculus, right? You just look at the difference between what punting gives you versus what going for it and not making it gives you, and that's what you stand to lose, and what you stand to gain is what a fresh set of downs gives you, and if it's a 50-50 chance, you just go with whichever one is higher. But with fourth downs, it's often not a 50-50 chance. You don't convert half of your fourth and tens, and on the other hand, you convert way more than half of your fourth and ones or fourth and twos. I think teams are something like 70% on fourth and two. They're well over half. So that means that the reward doesn't even need to be as big as what you stand to lose. And so what you end up with is a case that's pretty strong in favor of going for it, in favor of what Bill Belichick did there. And that move and the kind of studies that followed it ended up actually spurring quite a bit of the analytics revolution that has kind of taken over today, to the point where that similar situation has actually been presented to the Vikings a whole bunch of times. Not in one-score games necessarily, but in games where the Vikings have a lead and they can go for a fourth down with the chance to ice it or punt the ball away and give the other team the ball back. Low leverage stuff because you're probably winning either way, but in a lot of those situations, the Vikings have elected to go for it. And they're one of the more conservative teams when it comes to this sort of risk-reward decision-making. So let's actually go over some of the fourth-down decisions that the Vikings have made. Let's apply this same logic, this same thought process to it. Uh, by my count, there have been 11 fourth-down attempts... By the way, the Vikings have converted nine of them, which is kind of insane. And there's a lot we can learn about the Vikings' tendencies and how they're approaching risk by just looking at what these situations were that they decided to actually take the gamble. So we'll start with the first one, which uh, came against Chicago, the first one that we're going to talk about here. Uh, came on a fourth and five with 220 left in the fourth quarter. They were down zero to 16. So that's clearly a desperation moment. It was fourth and five and they were on their own 26. Again, obviously a desperation situation, but we can still run this through through the machine if only to test the machine and make sure that our kind of paradigm here isn't going to spit out results that trick us later. So from like a probability angle, from an odds angle, at that point in the game, the Vikings are losing that game, right? At 0-16 to 16 in the fourth quarter, you pretty much need a miracle to win that game. So what do you stand to lose by not getting that fourth quarter? You just lose by more, and in the NFL, that doesn't really count. So what you stand to lose is basically nothing, and that's, I guess, the way that this particular paradigm is going to chew on the fact that a lot of teams will go for it. Like, that's, that's how it's going to define a desperation go for it, is you have nothing to lose because you're already pretty much going to lose this game. And what do you stand to win? Well, your miracle hopes stay alive. Another way to put it is that if you punt the ball away, they are taking kneel downs, basically, or they need, like, one first down and they're taking kneel downs. And if you go for it and don't get it, one first down and they're taking kneel down. So it's kind of the same thing. You stand to lose nothing, you stand to gain a little, you go for it. And that helps in this particular situation, which is a more difficult fourth and five. That's a far cry from a fourth and one. The playbook's a little bit different there. So you need some of those uh, crazier circumstances to actually justify the decision. And later in that game, they actually uh, end up with the ball back with 149 to go. They're still down 0-16. to 16. It's a fourth and three, and they went for that as well. They actually got that one. That ended up being a long 39-yarder to Stefan Diggs. Of course, it didn't end up mattering, but at least they didn't get shut out. But fortunately, that was the only, those are the only times in the entire Viking season so far that they've been in that desperation, uh, fourth down, go for it situation, which is perhaps a testament to how well the season is going in other regards. 
there is another kind of common uh, theme with these fourth down situations that pops up a lot more often, which is the the good kind of fourth quarter late in the game, go for it, which is the ice the game one. This is the one that Bill Belichick did a decade ago. This was a situation that came up in all of the uh, Giants, Eagles, and Thursday night Washington games. And they all come up in kind of the same scenario. You're up two or three scores. There's not much time left. And essentially, if you convert it, you can ice the game. And we already kind of talked about that one, so we don't need to reiterate it. But suffice it to say, the Vikings have been going for those. They've been electing to do that. And it tells me that they're willing to take a couple of chances when they have that that kind of lead. Now, what I don't see on here and what I don't know if I would see is if they had fourth down situations to ice the game and they were up only one score. This is up, I mean, like against Washington, they were up two scores and there were 50 seconds left. Of course, they went for that fourth down because if you get it, you win. And if you don't get it, you are basically still guaranteed to win. They only have 50 seconds left and no timeouts and they need two scores. So you're not really risking anything. You don't stand to lose anything. And that kind of breaks the whole machine because it essentially tells you to go for pretty much all of them. Hey, by the way, Away creates thoughtful products designed to change how you see the world. For $20 off of a suitcase, visit awaytravel.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on during checkout. Listening on the go? If you can't visit Away right now, you can find this and all other offers from locked on sponsors at LockedOnPodcasts.com slash offers. And hey, speaking of risk-reward, this all kind of comes up in gambling too. You have to think about what you stand to lose, hence the amount you bet, what you stand to gain, hence the odds, and how likely you are to be right, and you have to find a discrepancy there for you to actually go make the bet. And if you do find those situations, which I know I do very often, for better or worse, you can always go to MyBookie.ag. It's the number one online sports book. And with good reasons. They pay out right away. Their website is great and really easy to navigate, and they have all kinds of fun prop bets and stuff that I wouldn't even dream up. And come on, nothing adds a little bit of sweat to the game like having a wager on a game that you otherwise wouldn't have cared about. I know coming up on Thursday Night Football, we have Houston and Indianapolis. We as Vikings fans, we don't really have much of a stake in that one, so why don't you drop a little bit of money on what you think's going to happen? So that's mybookie.ag, and if you enter promo code Locked On when you sign up, they will double your first deposit. They will match the money that you put in. It is free gambling money. So go to mybookie.ag right now. So let's talk about a few of these that are a little bit more ambiguous. And there were a couple that came up in uh, the Thursday Night Washington game. We actually did talk about when we recapped that whole thing, but let's talk about it under this paradigm. So it's a one score game. It's 16 to nine. You're on your own 35. There's three minutes left in the third quarter. So you're definitely getting down to a more like high leverage situation here. And it's fourth and one. Do you go for it? This one, I think, sparks a lot more debate, right? It's not as easy. It's a one-score game. You have a lead you don't want to blow, but at the same time, it's only one yard. How hard can it to be? How, how hard can it be to just get one yard? So let's run it through the machine. What do the Vikings stand to gain in that situation? Well, a fresh set of downs does a lot for you there, right? You get a first down on like your own 36 or so. You have still a, a solid ways to go before you're actually in scoring range, but obviously continuing your score opportunity has a lot of value to it. You're not exactly looking to pin them deep with the punt. It would be otherwise just kind of a regular drive stall situation. So you're not exactly giving up like a huge field position advantage or anything by punting. So I would say what you stand to gain is less than it usually is just by nature of where you are on the field and how that game had gone up to that point. 
But the defense angle kind of cuts both ways here, because what you stand to lose is also lessened by that. If you give them the ball on the 35, you have a really good chance of making them stall out and giving them a long field goal attempt, or what ends up happening is an interception. But the kicker here, and the thing that I think puts it over the top for why a lot of the people in the analytics community uh, defended this decision, even though it didn't work out, is that you have something like an 85% chance to convert that fourth and one, and especially calling a sneak, and especially calling a sneak with Kirk Cousins, he's missed like three of those in his whole career, and he's made like 25 of them or something. Like, he is remarkably successful on quarterback sneaks. Calling that there gives you an incredible chance to convert. So ultimately, it's a lower leverage situation than maybe it felt like uh, on that night, which is why it's nice to be talking about, you know, a few weeks removed from it, just because of the way the defense had been playing. And the fact that, you know, Washington was stuck with like Dwayne Haskins and stuff, and it was a lot less threatening than earlier in that half when they were uh, getting a whole bunch of hitches on you. So I'd call it like a medium risk, medium reward, and a really, really, really good chance to convert it. I definitely get why Mike Zimmer went there. A lot of people got a little bit of shell-shocked from that, and again, you kind of saw in uh, the game against the Chiefs that came after, the Vikings were pretty gun-shy in those 4th and 1 situations, perhaps overreacting to this. And there was one more in that Thursday night game that actually came earlier in the first quarter. It was 0-0, zero to zero, and it, it came... It might have been their first drive. I, I want to say it was their second drive, uh, but there was like seven and a half minutes left in the first quarter. It was 0-0, and you were on the opposing 37, so Washington's 37-yard line. This is another typical situation. It's A lot of people call it like no man's land. There is kind of, I think I've heard it called the maroon zone, where it's very difficult to make field goal or punt or go for it decisions, kind of between like the 35 and midfield. Uh, because, and running it through this machine can kind of help us, like, understand why. Because when you're on the opposing 37, you're a little bit too far away to kick a field goal. So the conservative choice here is probably punting, unless you want to try a 54-yarder, which maybe you do depending on the kicker and depending on the, the conditions, if you're indoors, outdoors, whatever. But for this, let's just say it's either, you know, go for it or punt. So if you're punting from the 37 and you can't pit him deep, say you mess that up, you go for a touchback, you only gain 17 yards of field position. So so what you stand to lose is that 17 yards of field position, that's really, really low, which means you should pretty much go for it most of the time, even if you don't have that great of a chance of converting it. Now, in this particular case, it was fourth and one, so that's not even a consideration either. So you have a high chance to convert it. If you don't, it's kind of fine. You're just using losing 17 yards of field position. It's like an average punt return. And if you get it, you're pretty much directly in scoring range. And I do believe that that one ended up in a field goal. So you kind of check all three boxes with that no man's land one. And that's why you see a lot of people kind of, if you follow this stuff on Twitter or other social media, you see a lot of people kind of roasting teams when they punt from opposing terror because it is that, like, how much do you even really stand to gain? Even if you pin them, you're still only flirting with, what, like 25, 30 yards of field position? It's not exactly game-breaking stuff. It matters, but in terms of comparing it to what you stand to gain, which is a first down close to scoring range, it doesn't make a lot of sense. So I mentioned they got really conservative in the uh, the Chiefs game after what happened with Washington, but there was actually one uh, go-for-it situation that the Vikings took. It was in the two-minute drill. The drive ended up, I believe, in a field goal to tie it. It was 7-10 to 10 at the time. They had a fourth and one on the opponent's 15, which that one is very curious because what you stand to lose is three points, right? Because you have kind of a gimme field goal, 
and if you don't get it, the other team kneels out the half and you don't get anything. And there were only 29 seconds left in the half. So if you do get it, the scoring opportunity you get is like kind of adjusted down by where the clock is, right? You kind of only have end zone shots at that point, because if I remember, they only had one timeout. So throwing to the middle of the field removes your opportunity to like take a timeout to take the field goal. It's kind of like an awkward situation. It's not your classic, you know, goal line situation where you have access to your entire playbook. So what you stand to gain and what you stand to lose are kind of affected by game situation here in a way that points you toward taking the conservative option, going for the field goal. Now, if I recall, there were some wind issues in that game, and that may have had something to do with their decision not to kick. But in any case, it was kind of a peculiar one, especially for a team that's typically conservative and was conservative up to that point in those situations. Now, they converted, so we didn't end up talking about it, and it ended up kind of being an innocuous moment in a game that was filled with a whole bunch of crazy moments, and the Vikings end up losing there. So we've got a lot of other stuff to talk about. We didn't get a chance to talk about that. But that is one that when you kind of run it through this machine, the only thing going for it is that it was only a fourth and one, which means that you have a pretty good chance to convert, and they indeed did convert. So again, I I don't think I disagree with it just based off of how likely you are to convert those fourth and ones, but the what you stand to gain and the what you stand to lose are definitely uh, lessened by the game situation. Probably not uh, not enough, but it still kind of defines what where that decision came from. So moving on, there was a perhaps a bit of a famous one that happened on Sunday night against the Dallas Cowboys. You're down 20 to 21. You could t- uh, take a field goal to go take the lead or you could go for it and get seven points. Now, this one is a little bit more straightforward and maybe would have been a better one to start with with this whole kind of risk-reward matrix. What do you stand to gain? Four points you wouldn't have otherwise had. What do you stand to lose? Three points you would have had just fine if you had taken the field goal. Four is more than three, so you go for it. And by the way, you're on the one and you can punch those in quite a bit. That's probably an oversimplified way of, of looking at these things. And the Vikings ended up going for two, so it really was kind of three on one side and three on the other. And so the tiebreaker probably is that, yeah, yeah, you're just one one yard out. And by the way, not getting it, not only is it a, a moment where you give them the ball back and you lost out on points, but you're giving them the ball back on the one yard line, which is actually a negative EPA situation for an offense to be in. So you're not losing like the whole three points is one way to look at it. You're kind of losing three points, but putting them in a situation where it's more likely that you get a safety than it, than it is that you give up more points on the other end. But, you know, that still has to bear out, of course, and, and, you know, averages go out the window when you're looking at singular situations, which is why we don't do that, but you still kind of have to factor all that into your decision-making. So you're not giving them that good of an opportunity. If you get it, you get a bunch of points. If you don't get it, you miss out on points. In a one-score game with a quarter to go, you kind of can't afford to do that, so the Vikings uh, take take that chance. And after the game, Zimmer was asked, and he said, you know, we're going to empty all the bullets out of the chamber, and kind of said we were going to be aggressive in this one, but I don't see that as much of an aggressive call. I see one. I see that as one where the game situation kind of lured you into going for it, and in that case, it worked out. So that brings us to the two that happened in this last game, in the Denver game, and they both happened when the Vikings were in a severe deficit. The first was a fourth and one on the first drive in the third quarter. It was there were 13 minutes left in the third quarter, fourth and one, uh, you're down zero to 20, and this is one where it, it's similar to the one that we talked about at the beginning of the 
this segment with the Bears game, where you're kind of like either I lose or I lose by more, and that counts the same either way, so they're kind of equivalent situations. And the only way you have a chance to win that game, really, is by going down and scoring a touchdown on that drive. Like, that really was a moment that they kind of had to have that one. So what do you stand to gain? A sustained opportunity to win. What do you stand stand to lose? Not really much. Like, of course, you're giving them the ball in, in bad territory. That first one came on your own 45. So you would be giving them a short field, but again, you're down 0-20. to 20. You don't exactly have the luxury of, like, worrying about them scoring more. Because if you don't score there, you're pretty much going to lose no matter what happens on the other side of the ball. And a similar logic applies to the last one of these, which comes when it is 7 to 23, there's 312 left in the third quarter, you're on your own 35, and it was again a fourth and one. Now they converted both of these obviously and turned those drives into touchdowns, but I think that same, it's almost desperation logic, uh, but that same kind of logic applies. So what we see here is a lot of moments, and a lot of these are Mike Zimmer basically letting game situation dictate this for him. And what I didn't include were all the fourth down and shorts where the Vikings ended up punting. I didn't really go pull all of those up, but suffice it to say that Mike Zimmer's been pretty conservative in these, and it's been pretty well documented, and he's been asked about it, and he says that it's really dictated by game situation, which is what we see here. And overall, I come away with a pretty conservative impression of Mike Zimmer, which is probably correct, which probably uh, reflects pretty well on this little system that we we kind of made up here. So on that, that's going to do it for this episode of Locked on Vikings. I know it was a weird one. I kind of wanted to talk about the fourth downs and I kind of wanted a good reason to get into it and we'll talk about risk and probability and stuff. So I hope you liked it. Again, this is going to be just some of this weird bye week stuff. Uh, we will be back tomorrow. I might talk about some of the NFL games going on. I might talk about something else. We'll see what happens. But in the meantime, you can always find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked on Vikings. You can find the show anywhere you find your favorite podcast or simply ask your smart device to play podcast Locked On Vikings. I will see you all tomorrow, and as always, Skull. Hey, Locked On Minnesota listeners. This is Tony Abbott here to tell you about the brand new Locked On Wild podcast, where my co-host Joe Bully and I break down the Minnesota Wild every single day. How can you listen? Just search for Locked On Wild in your favorite podcast app and subscribe to bring Locked On Wild to your device every day.